With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Have you seen season six yet? You can see season six. I'm still so excited <laughs> about this. I can barely stand I myself. It. All of it is available on Amazon Prime. Now, all six seasons are available on Amazon Prime, but season six was delinquent this year for reasons that are beyond me. We actually got a really cool tweet that somebody in London found it as well because they've been following the show, and it is on Amazon UK oh, and cool. US. Nice. So all of season six is there now, which is awesome. If you aren't in the US or UK, it is available on Vimeo. While I'm talking TV, a couple of things. First off, we should thank our TV sponsors, who are awesome. Yes, absolutely. I want to make sure you know that it is Covercraft, Mm -hmm. who has been the presenting sponsor for Season 6. Thanks to them. And also, Griot's Garage, Mm -hmm. you can use the code every day when you're ordering. Use that at checkout, okay, 10% off. And also, Haggerty. So hopefully you heard our interview with Mikhail Haggerty mm-hmm. as well a while back, uh, three or four podcasts ago at this point. But yeah, it was yeah. excellent. A lot of fun to just talk about the future of driving with Mikhail. It was excellent. But here's the TV news. When you and I first went to cable, we said on that YouTube thing that we were hoping that we could take older episodes and bring them back to YouTube. This, this has been a few years now, it's too. It's been years, okay? A, a while. We've gotten to a place now where that is a reality, and I won't bore you with all the, all the specifics behind the scenes, but here's the stuff. Starting this Saturday, at least one, well, originally we're going to have like four weeks in a row, but, but we're going to get to a consistent once a month an old TV episode will drop on YouTube. Now, the downside of that is it's not the latest news, obviously. But but they're also not that old. Exactly. The upside is that you'll be looking at something from a few seasons back that some people may have never seen. Yeah. So we're excited about that. They are going to have premieres, and we're going to keep talking them up on the podcast, but they will premiere at noon on Saturday, noon Pacific on Saturday. So it's 9 a.m. on the east on the West Coast. Sorry. So yes. we will yes. do that as YouTube premieres on Saturdays. We'll keep you informed as those are happening. But we're going to get our way through the rest of Season 2 pretty quickly, and then we're going to start doing once a month beginning with Season 3. We're going to march our way. About every three, four weeks, there'll be a new one. We'll keep you informed. Sorry, did just- you say noon Eastern? Nine Pacific, right? Exactly right. right. Yes, okay. exactly. Right. So we'll do that. And I'm excited about it because I know there's a segment of our audience that won't have seen it yet. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. To, you know, we've been, if you're following the podcast, many of you say, hey, I only watch the podcast and I occasionally catch YouTube and you're not buying stuff or chasing down the TV season. I get it. I totally get it. So if you're one of those people who hasn't seen it yet, we'd love for you to watch it. If you've seen it already, we'd like to watch it again. It's coming to YouTube. We'll keep you informed. Did you see that Ford has decided not to make a second generation RS, Focus RS? Mm-hmm. This is kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. I, I hope that they drop down enough we can make it a fun winter car because that would be a fun winter car. That would be a fun winter car, especially drift mode in the mm-hmm. winter. Mm-hmm. 70% of the torque to the rear wheels in the winter. Delightful. Exactly. That's, that's what you really want in oh, a winter yeah. car. Yeah, exactly. We, guys, we've got a great topic Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. This was a question sent to us by a friend, Robert Godby. Mm-hmm. He's uh, at the University of Wyoming in Laramie, and he asks us, after at the beginning of the year of 2020, yeah. we went through best cars from every manufacturer. Of the decade prior. We talked about 2010 oh, of the to entire 2020. Decade we talked about that decade. We said best cars from each manufacturer in that decade, which was carrying over from when we first started the podcast and did something similar. Right, we that were, was actually we were, carrying we were over. updating things. It had been a while. We've been doing the podcast for that long. Anyway, yeah, I can't over. believe it. Well, he suggested... 
a retrospective look at the last decade, but in our mind, what were the five most? He said, you can do 10, probably any number, but Mm -hmm. what is the five most significant cars across all automakers Mm -hmm. and why? Mm -hmm. And I thought this was good. And by the way, I will say, if you like this enough, we could go all the way back to the beginning of cars. If you want, we now could make it a hurts. series that my, my brain hurts now. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do but that. That's but why we'll... <laughs> we're just starting with the last decade yes, for yes. now. And that is 2010 mm-hmm. to 2020 that decade, mm-hmm. five best cars. So five most significant cars. I'll say I, I did more than five, but did I you? Got eight, okay. But all right. I had there. some tiebreakers actually. Okay. Good for you. All right. So he says, you know, what are cars with styling significance or performance significance mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. performance to the masses? And what else should we think about? He suggested the Chevy Volt, you know, cars that aren't made anymore. They kind of made a splash, but then they were not made anymore. That's on my list, actually. Is it? Yes. <clears throat> I kind of created my own rules okay, good. for this, and I like that we can kind of – you know, do what we think is best for the series. Well, and but you and I will be different as we always yes, are. Yes, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. This is not a series at this point. It could be. I'm just saying yeah, if you want yeah. us to go all the way back again to the beginning of time. <laughs> I'm now horrified. <laughs> the best horse of 1875 was, <laughs> wait, no. We could do that. Anyway, so we're going to jump into that. And then we've got a really cool car debate from Felix S., who is out mm-hmm. in Northern Virginia. Yep. He's a Toyota guy, and he says, is three SUVs too many? Yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I'm a, uh, that, 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 that would solve. So, there you go, Felix, yes. <laughs> yes, the end, moving on. And then a ton of questions, so mm-hmm. we will get to that in, uh, in just a little bit. But first of all, we've got to get to this topic Tuesday. I've been sitting on this for a little while. Okay, good. Because I didn't good, want good. it to run up right against our cars from the decade. No, I agree. I think it's great. Or cars from the last decade. Yeah, yeah, for significant sure. cars from each manufacturer. But this was really interesting because we're looking back at the past decade and what are the most significant cars. There's actually more than you think. There's a lot. I mean, I have eight, and I'll start with the one that he already mentioned because I do think it's it's valid, and that is the Chevy Volt. Okay, not the All Volt, right. the Volt, and that is the the hybrid one. Okay, mm-hmm. now it was essentially proves a generator can power wheels. True, because the gasoline True. motor. There's there's minutia here that isn't entirely clear, but I want to give you the headline <laughs> version. There is a four cylinder, and candidly, not a very nice four cylinder. But there's a four cylinder under the hood, and its she runs. job she runs is to just run like a generator and create electricity to either charge the battery or drive the wheels, and the wheels are electric electrically driven. Now this. Concepts like this have been in trains forever, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So this is not a new idea, but they executed it in cars wonderfully well, and they created, I think, for the time, one of the best commuter solve ideas. We, we've heard plenty okay. of people that, yeah. oh, my car just turned itself on today because I haven't used gas in six months, and it essentially was stirring the tank, you know? <laughs> so last week was the 50th anniversary funny, of Apollo 13. I'm thinking about stirring the tank. Anyway, funny. but uh, so the, the Volt, I think, was a great execution of that. Now, it didn't sell well, but we drove both versions and thought for what it was it wanting to be, yeah. excellent. They're cheap it's now, too. It's not compelling. It's not compelling, but excellent as a commuter car. So, And, and you're right. Because they don't make them anymore and people kind of ignored them, they are crazy cheap. But I think it's significant. Mm, interesting. I like this. All right. Well, my self-imposed rules okay. are cars introduced in this last decade mm-hmm. – but they have to have been introduced in the decade. They can't be subsequent models like the mm. third generation of the Prius or okay. updated generations of a car that is suddenly better with more features or whatever. It has to be a car introduced 
in this generation, I think whether or not it's still on sale right now is irrelevant. It has to have been birthed in good. this generation. With one exception, I also followed that rule. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, the first car on my list is the Tesla Model S. Hmm. You could argue it was 2009, but I'm going to call it 2010. Okay. Only Tesla has created a coveted brand like Apple. True, 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 yeah. Stylistically speaking, they've created a car that has stood the test of time. It's still good looking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They've also broken any of your preconceived notions about how good an electric car can be. And I'm talking about range. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about drivability. Just the fun alone, the way they've sold the car and marketed it. And also features mm. like this seven seater. And you're thinking, how can seven people fit in that? Mm -hmm. And magically you could order the rear facing seats. Yep. Yep, yep. Trying out ideas that other car companies would have said, nah, they would have di dismissed them too early. Sure. 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 Okay? Yeah. <clears throat> and also creating a new aspirational level of car ownership snobbery <laughs> heretofore unseen in the world of cars. I agree with all of that. I agree with all of that. I, Nobody has created the snobbery level they have done. I rolled it, though, into the Model 3. We did, okay. S, because the S is excellent, and we still like the S, and we drove it, and we're impressed then, and we're impressed now, and I agree with you. It has stood the test of time very well. But the 3 proved that an electric car can be a phenomenon. In what sense? Phenomenon in just, what way? Just think about the pre-orders. Okay, the Model okay. S was this thing that the people that had the money to try it decided to try Telling it. Telling you, you were like, snobbery. Oh, there's a there's a Model S. Oh, that's cool. You got one. And you were able to order them and the and the, the backlog wasn't that bad, but the Model 3 was we've advertised it today mm. and supposedly a half million people want it tomorrow and they won't have it for 18 months. Has that ever happened in cars before? That's staggering to me. And it also I'm thinking back. Yeah. I don't that's, know. That's I don't know if I'm right on this, but I feel like it also broke out of car news into general news in a way that I don't know if it's happened since the original Mustang. You mean whether you care about cars or not and yes. it's kind of made its, it's way just into your news covered. consciousness? And like the initial, the original Mustang was that way. It was beyond car news. Yeah. It was a phenomenon. Yeah, it was just true. being discussed globally as wow. I can see that. And the Model okay. 3 did that as well. People are just talking about the Model 3. And it was 18 months away from one being on the road. Yeah, true. That that was huge for me. I, the Model S is is a astounding proof of concept for Tesla. I thought of another one. But the that Model is, 3 is a phenomenon. It, it is. I agree with that. I thought of another category for Tesla. Okay, great. And that is now making it acceptable to overpromise and underdeliver. <laughs> That has happened. Usually when you work times. for, you know, you got a boss or you mm -hmm. yeah. have your own consultancy or you, you do work in general yes. for anybody, mm -hmm. you, it, you want it to be the other way around, generally. don't you? And it, and it generally also, I'll go one further. Generally, when you do that, it affects your stock price oh, negatively. Yes. And now it, it affects it dramatically the other way and nobody can actually figure out. Now, why has it gone up so far? <laughs> what? Why is that? We're getting into like race and landmines can't now. can't figure this out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yep. All right, moving on to car number two for me, and that is the Toyota 86. Interesting. It's on my list because of Toyota's ballsiness to reintroduce mm -hmm. an inexpensive, attainable, fun manual sports car. I have it on my list for the exact the same end. reason. Yes. What, who, and, and Toyota, of all people. Right, right. I would have put it, honestly, I would have put it on BMW to try it. Mm. I would have put it on maybe Porsche to try it. I would have put it on Nissan to try it. 
None of these companies did it. Toyota, who at this point had cemented their brand behind the Prius and the Camry. True, true. We make excellent driving appliances. They come out with this swing for the fences. That's, that is unexpected. That's a good point. I've also got a rhetorical follow-up to that. And that is among car companies and the leadership of car companies, CEOs and the, and the high leadership. Is there a certain uh, humbleness that you have to take on to enter into a collaboration or partnership? Mm-hmm. I know over the years there have been many. Sure, of, of course. course. Yeah, yeah. Mitsubishi, Chrysler. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ford, so, and, Ford so and Mazda. I mean, on and on and on. Yeah. I guess I know there is a certain amount, but what level do you have to have to think, all right, we've got to swallow our pride a little bit here to be able to do this, but mm-hmm. ultimately it's going to benefit the brand in these three ways, whatever those are sure, that you've sure, identified, sure. Yeah, yeah. either from sales or perception, whatever that is in the marketplace that you're going after. Yep. And you're right. They had put all of their you know, eggs in that basket of Prius and Camry, and mm-hmm. you know, we're totally. serving well everybody on the planet. Yes. Need a car? We've yes. got something for you. Mm-hmm. Except for this underserved market and how Ford at the time had a, a ST was lining them hot up. version lining them of up. everything, yep, including sedans, yep, hot hatches, totally. yeah. all the way to a hypercar. But then Toyota has kind of ignored that up until now, and mm-hmm. they've sort of mm-hmm. swallowed their pride again. But look at what it's done to, to burnishing the brand, I'll say. Agreed, agreed. That's huge. Enthusiasts are going, okay, cool. You're returning to your roots, mm-hmm. which they had left. Mm-hmm. They're, they're racing enthusiast icon roots, and they've come back. And that is surprising. I had – this is the one that breaks the rule for me because it's technically not – wasn't introduced in the past decade. Okay. It was just before. Okay. 2009. All right. Well, I kind of did The Nissan GTR, the R35. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. significant because, first off, it hadn't come to the U.S. before. That's, That's a good part point. of it. That's a good point. beyond that – that is the first car I can think of in the modern time, especially, that it dropped at an affordable price. Now, it only went up every year after that. And we'll see what happens to the C8 because I think it might do the same thing. Mm. There was my parenthetical. Moving on. <laughs> the, the GTR drops at 60 ish thousand dollars. And it just says. Was it 60? I thought um, it was like 80. It was 60 to 70 for the way you wanted it. Yep. Really? Yeah, that's what was crazy. I guess I forgot that. So it drops at around $60,000. And for the first couple of years, all of the reviews were, bring it. Bring whoever you want to put against the little lowly Nissan GTR. It's yeah. cheaper than you. It looks wrong. It's a cube. Yeah. yeah. It, it's all-wheel drive. It's heavy. It's all the things a sports car is not supposed <laughs> oh, it's to be. heavy. Yes. It's designed. This was said by the designers that they wanted a race driver and a grandmother to both be able to get fantastic performance out of it which is not something you normally hear talked about in sports cars. No, you never hear about that. And yet it took on everything and was pretty much faster, better, quicker, everything. And everyone, kind of like the original uh, NSX did, everyone that made performance cars had to step up. I remember a couple years in, Porsche brought the first 911 turbo that actually beat the GTR 0-60. to Yeah. And they were racing it against... The Bugatti Veyron. Of course, the Veyron won, but not by much. Which legions of Nissan GT4 fans everywhere are going, so yay. it was the car that everybody that made a performance car said, uh-oh, we got to do something. Okay, so a follow-up question to that. Sure. Is it still like that now? No, it's been surpassed. Every other car manufacturer stepped up. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Just like many car manufacturers now have stepped up to Tesla with their own solve, whatever that is, whether it's on the market or not, every other performance car manufacturer has now stepped Mm -hmm. up to GTR. So does GTR still enjoy that status? It doesn't enjoy that status anymore, but it made that impression. It's been around too long, and everybody else has moved on. Now, it's still, if you drive a current one, still impressive. Yeah. But now it's twice as expensive, and there's plenty of other things for your one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000 that will be more interesting and perform as well or better. When mm. it dropped, it was, it was the NSX all over again. It was, why is this this cheap, and why is it this good when yeah. it dropped? It's neither of those things anymore, but it was a watershed moment that changed the industry. Number three on my list is sort of similar to that Okay. in terms of, holy moly, they made that. And that is anything with the Hellcat engine. Mm-hmm. I have it on here. Specifically Challenger, the Dodge Demon, but yes. Specifically the Demon, but the Challenger, the Charger, and to a lesser extent, the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they have created this engine. First of all, they had the cojones to create a relatively attainable car with an engine that can only be described as the younger brother to an atomic bomb. Yes. But then... They gave it a warranty. Uh-huh. That much horsepower available in a car to go buy uh-huh. with a warranty. I, that's exactly why it's on my list. Normal drivers with normal driver's licenses can go normally buy one. Yes. It's and, just normal. And they can take it to the drag strip Friday. And they're still selling like crazy. Yes. This is unbelievable. I agree. That Hellcat engine came out right in the middle of the decade, right about 2015. And then they just decided... Uh-huh. It worked in that car. You know what else we could bolt this into? Yeah. Looking around the shop here, what else could we bolt it? Hey, that's a good candidate. Totally. Hey, what do you think about that Jeep? Could we put it in an all-wheel drive Jeep? Totally. Holy and I, cow. And I agree with you. It's it's prior to this. These are horsepower numbers that you only got because you built your car. Yeah, you're into drag racing or you and, somehow did And we're impressed. It's great numbers, kind of, but 700 to 800 horsepower, depending upon whether you got just the lowly Hellcat or the Dodge Demon. Yeah, right. You bought it from a manufacturer like that with a warranty, and you can go drag this weekend. That astounds me for the same reason. I it's totally agree. It's still with you. selling. Yes. Of the Charger it is. and the Challenger are still mm-hmm. selling, and now they've got the upgrade. They've got the brass monkey wheels that came back, which I love the bronze. I do love the okay. bronze wheels. Really right. sets off the right. car. They've got the wide body. So they've just continued to put little things yes. on them to keep them yes. alive. But the bones, the structure is the same uh-huh. Uh-huh. for a decade, which was old to begin with because yes. it's based on old chassis from when they had their partnership with Mercedes, which was a whole decade prior. What on earth? It's astounding. It truly is. I have two more. I've got two more here. Great. The fourth one for me is a tie. It is between the Corvette C7 and the Corvette C8. Interesting. Okay, unpack that. When the when the C7 came out, never did the Corvette brand so clearly define performance for dollars. It's always been about that, but True. never before had we gotten in a car and be like, well, that was just great. And it's how much? The same as a base Cayman? Huh. Well, yeah. that's compelling. Yeah. Then the C7 ZR1 came along and, you know, we hurt ourselves again. Well, but the Z06 in the middle was also phenomenal. That was also phenomenal. Watch our American original film. We're yes. Just, we're just kind of stunned by that car. Everything in there. And then the ZR1 comes along. We're yes. thinking, also, normal people with normal driver's licenses can uh-huh. go buy one. No problem. It's it's Yikes. almost it's almost a death sentence for an average driver. If you if you don't have an idea what you're stepping into, that car's trying to hurt you. That particular car is on YouTube, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. as a standalone yeah, yeah. piece. Yeah, yeah. We drove that in California. But now, not having yet driven the C8, mm-hmm. I'm still putting it on my list because 
General Motors has designed and built a mid-engine Corvette. So yes. it deserves a place, again, without having driven it yet, reserving well, my opinions yet, but still, mid-engine Corvette now. And they're giving it the GTR treatment. What I mean by that is based on what I said before, sixty grand, bring everybody, is how they're setting that car up. Now, I also think like the GTR, every year it's going to be inexplicably more oh, expensive. Oh, it's going to go up. But Absolutely. Yes, for right now, I see where you are. Yeah. I mean, performance for dollar, never, never before. Last on my list here, number five, and that is, again, a tie between the Ford Fiesta ST and the Hyundai Veloster N. Okay. All right. Sure. Kudos to both companies for making front-wheel drive fun again and front-wheel drive aspirational and fun beyond all your preconceived notions. Front-wheel drive, nah, I'll pass. You don't know what you're talking about anymore. Those cars are awesome. Because they're incredible. It has to do with engineering, platform. Mm -hmm. They have done magic with front-wheel drive and now a performance front-wheel drive car that you want to own. That's a great point. Yeah. No other two cars. Those are kind of – they're up against each other even though one's newer than the other. Well, it's almost like the Veloster N takes over for the uh, Fiesta. It kind of does. We talked about that. It kind of does. But wow – I could own either car and be super happy. I remember reading the first article that I ever came across about the Fast ST, and the entire article, I was having trouble not reading it and go, really? Like, was this a paid advertisement? Really? Yeah. And then I got to drive one within a couple months of that and just was jaw-dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Astounding. Very cool. So that's a tie for me for those two cars. I have two last ones. Okay. One is the McLaren MC12C. Oh, and I have it on here because that is the beginning of what McLaren is still doing. And that is, you want some F1 technology? You want some racing history? You want everything that Ferrari has offered? Come over here. Just just bring your money. There's no, well, we haven't seen you before and have you bought three used ones? And I'm not sure if you're on the list. There's none of that. And they're lower cost, too. I mean, I know we're talking at a high level, but they're yeah, lower cost. Slightly, yes. But But it was just McLaren was offering you that, and you as a paying customer – could go buy it. Hmm. And in the in the original ones, they were doing crazy things like they had those inner, I forget what they called it, but the interconnected suspension. Oh, right. Where right, there were yeah. no sway bars and the suspension was taken out of race cars That's and they were right. interconnected with each other, which is a fantastic feeling, actually. I really like that. We drove that on our original pilgrimage film. Yes, we did. We were very impressed with the 12C. I'd like to get into more McLarens. It's a whole separate thing, but it's not exactly every day, is it? But the thing about it is they just... They came along and said, kind of like, again, the NSX from the 80s, but they came along and kind of said to Ferrari, <clears throat> hi, excuse us, we're in this space too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because of their racing pedigree, it's not like, who's McLaren? Yeah. Anybody that knew was like, oh my gosh, road cars. Yeah, right. Cool. Right. And now they've continued to one-up themselves using that same basic engine, which I also find fascinating. It's the same engine in everybody. Yeah. But that first throwdown was just, you want a great supercar? You want a great, great-looking supercar with great engineering that comes down from F1 and has a racing history? Ferrari's got you on a list. We could sell you a car. That's interesting. So that one. And then the last one, proof that some manufacturers, when bothered long enough, give the people what they want. Okay. The Jeep Gladiator. How long oh. has the public been saying, I want a pickup Wrangler, pickup Wrangler, pickup Wrangler? Hi, excuse us. Could we have a pickup Wrangler? You know what we'd like? A pickup Wrangler. <laughs> <laughs> and FCA goes, you know what we're giving you? A pickup Wrangler. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. I was having a thought while you were discussing McLaren. It's an exciting thought. It's mm-hmm. a very aspirational thought. Yeah. But used 570s, 
That's exciting to me. Use 12 Cs are way down. Well, use 12 Cs. They had weird electrical gremlins because they were first out of the box. But yes, Yes, I agree with you. 570 is sort of like, well, a few more years and they might, might be. That's, those have got to be just delightful. Monsters like the 600 LT. Yeah. That was a, we will destroy the earth when they came out. Right. Are old news at McLaren. Totally. And dropping. That's very exciting. Crazy. Yeah. And they will have sat for the most part. Because a of lot of owners trade like cars, of, of, and so they sit they in garages yes, so they'll have low they miles. Yep, yep, yep. And therefore, you know, us enthusiasts, I'm I'm speaking in the yeah, long the, time in the future. We're speaking in the theoretical, wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of money? But, but still. But comparatively, you're right. It's you're an exciting right. thought yeah, yeah, for, sure. for those to drop, you know, another decade maybe, and like, hmm, sweet. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of Griot's first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. And they're a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care style directly from Griot's. We've used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and their website and starter kits that will help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all the liquid products are made right here in the USA. They offer 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Felix S. in Northern Virginia writes to us as a through-and-through Toyota guy. Yeah, I read this and kind of was like, "This, oh, wow. that's your garage right now? Okay, all right. He asks the non-theoretical question, is three SUVs too many? And that's because, of course, he owns three SUVs. As I said before at the top of the podcast, quick answer, yes. The main question is, what's a fun car for dad? He mm-hmm. feels like he's all over the map in terms of his interests. And he says, what I need is a specific car solution to, to frame his decision. So how do you settle on one category of car, let alone a specific model? Mm-hmm. Now, a little bit of history here. He's 41, married with two kids, three and a half years and 10 months old. Okay. He and his wife trade off on the kid taxi thing. There it is. She drops off. He picks up most days. His wife works from home, and he commutes about 45 minutes each way. The mix varies, sometimes bumper-to-bumper, bumper, sometimes open highway and back road. Cool. All right. So, again, they're in northern Virginia, but they're planning to move to the Ann Arbor, Michigan area within the next two years, and he might work from home in, in the future. We'll okay. see. All right. Not quite yet. But we're buying for now. We are buying for now. Yeah. The current vehicles, the current three SUVs, <laughs> include a 2016 Forerunner Trail. Mm-hmm. That's his wife's truck. Yeah. 18,000 miles, which they bought new and will be paid off in under a year. Okay. A 2002 Forerunner Limited, which is his daily. <laughs> Don't have a trend. 188,000 miles. He bought it three years ago from a guy in Denver. It's moderately built. He said it's got a two and a half inch lift, ARB front bumper, thick steel rocker sliders and skid plates, and some storage drawers in the back. For those of you not doing the math at home, the O2 has 10 times the miles of the 2016. <laughs> but this both Forerunners. There forerunner. they are. Yeah. And a third SUV is a 95 Land Cruiser with factory lockers front and rear, 175,000 miles that used to be his daily, mm-hmm. then a rock crawling rig, now a driveway adornment. It, um, it, it, it tried to hurt Felix. 
This is why it's now sitting there. It did. It, it, tr- it tried to hurt him. He was coming back from rock crawling and at 70 miles an hour lost a front wheel. No. Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry, Felix. Lost a front wheel. That's horrific. Did not roll, which is what's amazing. And he it just sheared off the bolts. Mm. Lost the front wheel completely. The nosedive. Picture this. You're in a lifted oh. truck. Nosedive at 70 miles an hour. Didn't roll. He got it off the side of the road. It has sat in punishment on the driveway <laughs> ever since. He's slowly rebuilding it, but it's not the car he wants to jump back in. Yeah. I've got a friend whose biggest fear while driving is having a loose wheel and tire come bouncing over the freeway median oh, wow. oncoming at him and smashing into his car. Has he ever even seen that happen? Like, like a wheel? Because I've seen a wheel on the loose once before. I've that seen only it. one other. It was a semi-truck wheel. Yeah. But I've actually, otherwise, I, this is not a regularity. This is not a common <laughs> occurrence. But that is his biggest fear while driving, That's that crazy. some wheel and tire okay. will come bouncing over the median right into his car oncoming. I mean, you'd be done, I have to admit. You but would at the be same done. time, that is very specific and really unlikely. Yeah. Not kind of weird, but, you know, it does happen. Okay. And right. it happened to Felix, and it was because of rust. He says... Mm-hmm. Lug nuts, the wheel studs were kind of rusty, and it, he thinks it gave his torque wrench a false reading. He's replaced all the studs at that wheel, and he'll mm. do the rest. But mm. again, driveway adornment. Yes. It sits. It's sitting. All right. So some vehicle history. He's had a Jetta, an old Sintra, another old FJ40 Land Cruiser, <laughs> Mini Cooper S, yet another Land Cruiser, F, FZJ80, <laughs> oh my gosh. an Audi, oh, another Forerunner, oh, two other Forerunners. Yes, those Toyota are the things that are in the garage right now. Yes, for sure. All right. Incredible. So, what to buy? He says he thinks his budget is around $30,000 and needs something reasonably reliable. Okay. He right. has actually heard his wife tell him, drop me off here and pick me up in a car that works. <laughs> wow. Woo. Felix, we need to solve that. We Woo. need to solve that. Hi, wife, by the way. The, woof. Okay. He's taken a different vehicle to work because a brake caliper was seized. And he said he drove the FJ40 one time, 30 minutes home from work with no brakes, downshifting to slow down, and using the parking brake to come to a full stop because he couldn't stomach asking his wife to come pick him up. And and I will say this. Wow. This is, I can tell you right now without even telling us, that was before Felix was a father. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that, in, that's that in the history. Bonehead thing that a man does when he's just like, <laughs> I don't want to go with the fight. I'm just going to suffer through this and solve my own problem, and it's going to hurt and be stupid. And that's what happened to Felix here. But I guarantee you, now that he's got kids in the back, you're not making those decisions anymore. No. Which brings us to reliable dad car very quickly. Now, Felix writes, having done some drive homework already, mm-hmm. he's driven the Alpha Julia Sport Ti, which he felt and fell in love with. He said he's never felt steering like that before, and he loves that the all-wheel drive version sends 100% of the power to the rear wheels in most conditions. Love the paddles, love the shifting, but his question is, will it be in the shop a lot? That is the question everybody's debating, for sure, yeah. He's driven the Stinger GT1, which he liked. Over time, he says he likes the looks less. Interesting. Hasn't aged well for him, because I think they've got great presence, but that's interesting. I think it's been the other way for me. He's driven the Hyundai G70. 3.3, 3.3, sorry, Genesis Excellent. G70, 3.3. It's very good, yeah, yeah. Lexus GS350. He's also driven the Lexus GSF and a bunch of Mercedes-Benzes, GLC 43 AMG, the 2015 C63 AMG, and the 2015 C43 AMG. Mm-hmm. 
lots of power, and he says yeah, and some of sure. them more power than he needs. Expensive yeah. to maintain. Yeah, they, all of the above. Yes. Driven a couple of Porsches, 2014 Panamera S, which he loved, but he says he can get a six-year newer Macan, which he also test drove. Yeah. But again, he doesn't need a performance SUV. True. True. E39 M5. He says, "I love it. Don't need the headaches of an 18-year-old BMW." And a couple of Volkswagens, the Golf R and the GTI. Mm-hmm. He loves them. Interior mostly great, but he just says, eh, I'm not quite all the way there. And then he also mentions the highest car on his list is the Veloster N. Isn't that interesting? We come all the way to yeah. the Veloster N and he really loves it. Yeah. Well, he says, will the three-door thing make the kids in and out thing, getting in and out too much of a pain? He says, maybe, maybe not. You know, what do I do with the seats? How do I manage all that for now? But he's he's intrigued enough by the price, by the performance, with how it drives, mm-hmm. that it's topping his list. I love, Felix, the Veloster N. Yes. I love it that it's on your list. Mm-hmm. I think you could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And as the kids grow, there's still enough room in the back for Todd and I to get back there and do short trips. So yes. your kids are going to be fine. Again, yes. as Agreed. they grow, which Agreed. they will... Yep. You're going to have less hassle with the car seats. Pretty soon, you can just pull up and they'll just let themselves in and yeah. boom. Well, he says up that he's gone. pretty sure that his daughter could probably crawl across from the side that has the extra door to be behind dad in the driver's seat. And I agree, she could. Now, you have she has to embrace that hassle, and so do you. True, true. But it doesn't mean you couldn't do it. That, the thing is, that three door thing is a little weird. I, I will admit it's a little weird, but. When you start thinking about how a car is normally used, it's on the curbside. That is the door you're most likely to use for the rear. Now, if you have two parents, you want to attack both car seats at the same time. Can't do that in the Veloster. Okay. That's what happens. you got two kids. you got two car seats. I'll buckle in one. You buckle in the other. And suddenly you have no door. True. Okay? That is an issue. But at the same time, I had an FRS when my son was really young. And so there was no door. It was open up the big door and pull the seat forward and do the whole dance every yeah, single time. It was a hassle. Yeah. So, yeah. My question to you, Felix, whether it's rhetorical or not, is does the cool dad car have to appeal to the kids more than it appeals to dad? Hmm. Or is it the other way around? What is, what is like the it. ratio here? Yeah. Who wins in the coolness factor? Do the kids have to like it more or mm. does dad have to like it more? <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking. Well, and here's the other question is, where's your wife in this? Does True. She, have, she does, does she have, have a say, level of veto power to be like, you can't have that? Because that happens sometimes. Because I'm hoping not based I'm on my suggestions. Not. I'm hoping not because also she has the good forerunner that runs. True. Almost I paid off. I also wonder if you get rid of the old tried to kill you 95 that's sitting on the, on the driveway, I think you score points. Oh, definitely. Okay. Well, that's at least so worth one that point, goes, right? It, you score points. You take the other rock, because the other thing we haven't mentioned here is that you have a major rock crawling history, and you've come to the realization that life is just changing. Not for sure. the worst, but just changing. And you know, we all go through phases in life. Sure. About every, honestly, it's a weird thing we've talked about with other men that are older than us and people that are younger than us. About every 10 years, adults look pretty different. The mm-hmm. things that you te- that take up your life often change dramatically in 10-year cycles. Okay? Sure. He's realizing, I used to rock crawl all the time. And now I might go once a year. So this is hmm. also fueling this change in Felix. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I think the tried to kill you 95 goes. I think the 180,000 mile older forerunner might be able to go too. I, I think it does. Maybe both of those are gone. So your wife's got the new forerunner that runs really well. We can have some fun with what you're driving. I think that creates some real opportunity for you to get something that your wife might initially be like, I don't know, but yet 
maybe you can bring her around. I think let's all have a new experience. I've got suggestions for you, Felix, in addition Good. to the Veloster N. Good, I've got a I couple love that too. car. Yeah. If the cool dad car equates more towards dad liking it more, okay. then I would first of all suggest an M2. BMW Ooh, M2. I like that. I know your budget's thirty grand, but you're talking to me, so you know, let's go to forty. But yes, first the very first round of the M2 is yes. dropping. Yes. They are dropping because everybody that had the money to have the best M2 sold their first one to get the competition with the new engine. Very true. And the first one was great. I mean, you'd love driving that car, automatic, manual, whatever it is. I mean, the DCT or manual, whatever. Yeah, yeah I got you. The only problem with it is the two-door nature of it. It's got the back seats, but then you're going to have to lean in and it's a hassle. For sure. Yeah. So... The other one is the dad hatch, the Mercedes GLA AMG 45, which yeah. we have not suggested in a long time. Yeah. I see 30 it. grand. I see it. Yes. Boom. Tons of them out there for that. Yeah. Now, if the equation is the other way and okay. the kids get okay. to like the car more than dad, even though dad will like this car. All right. Where are you going? Mom might even like this car. Okay. I mean, let her drive it. Let her experience the suspension change. Let her experience. Where'd you go? The delicious nature of this car. You will look for excuses to go driving. Okay. That is a Civic Type R. I have it on my list. Do you really? I have it on my list. No kidding. That is that is almost the standard bearer right now for cool dad car. But that's the kids like it because of the styling. It's crazy yes. and it's got a giant wing and it's a whistly turbo. And oh my gosh, dad, you're still going to like that car. But it's four doors. It's yes. super usable. It's got a good amount of space. Totally. It's a Honda Civic. It's going to run. And by the way, have you noticed that it's currently on fire? It's so much fun. And you remember how your wife was talking about pick me up in a car that's reliable? Mm-hmm. Civic Type R is going to be reliable. Yeah. As Todd says, it's a Honda. Yeah. No problem. So Civic Type R, I think let the kids win. You've got the rest of your life to get other dad cars and other <laughs> you know, sleepers and whatever those are. But for right now, go crazy. Get it in a crazy color. Get it in black and have it wrapped yellow or something and be the crazy dad car and enjoy this time in your life with your kids. I like it in red. I really like that car in blue. The blue is The blue that they have is really great looking, yeah. Get the one with the volume knob. You're going to need the volume knob. Well, just they're helpful. Yeah, they are. But the problem is the ones that are thirty grand are probably first year that they have. Well, okay. If you can't, you know, if you can deal with the the thumb slider thing, still Apple CarPlay though. That's true. Pretty cool. That's true. But reliable. Yes. Manual. Yes. Great turbo. Quick, fast. It's comfortable road trip car. All four of you guys can get in the car and road trip in this thing. Crazy dad car. I do like it. No problems at all. I do like it. This is good stuff. We've already had some overlaps. I've got a couple others, Felix. First off, I want to say, I, I think you should really consider that Alpha Julia. Hmm. I mean, I read all of your descriptions, and the only reason you don't want it is because you're not sure about its reliability. Okay. okay. Everything else about it. When I read your description, everything else about it, you're like, love it. Check. I, I check love everything check, about it. Check. Check. It's a great dad car. Fantastic rotation. You said you didn't even know. Your description here is you said you didn't even know steering feel could feel like this. Hmm. Whoa. Hmm. Okay. That's quite an endorsement. I think that car's worth the risk, honestly, because we have driven the Quadrifoglio more than once, including on track and in multiple of our reviews. We've driven the base model multiple times. We've turroed that car used them for shoots, the people that we knew that actually have them as a Turo car, we have always asked that owner when we've given them the car back and it's run flawlessly, how's this car been for you as a Turo car? And they're always like, fine, no issues. So I'm not saying that they don't have issues. They have issues. But I think the percentage is overblown. Mm. 
So I think it's worth mm. considering. The internet percentage or whatever we call it. Yes, the internet factor. But while we're there, I did think of an alt, and nobody's going to be surprised here. If you like the Alpha sedan, great rotation, surprising rotation, good steering feel, Chevy SS. Oh. The very early yeah. Chevy SS are right in your budget. High 20s, low 30s, they're there. Now, the problem is, if you want to call this a problem, because based on the fact it's going to be your commute car, it may not be an issue. The problem is the ones with the magnetic ride and manual transmission are closer to 40. Okay. But okay. the automatics, with or without MagnaRide, are like 30 grand. The thing when you ask your kids, do you want to go get donuts? will never get old because your, your wife will think, oh, you're going to get pastries. No. No. You're going to screw around and who That's the thing. funny. I like it. I like it. So that'll never get old. Praying, I like that. You're praying for snowy parking lots. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, kids, we're doing a donut run. Yay. Oh, <laughs> make sure to give me a bear claw. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. That's funny. I like it. Cars are absolutely made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without driving the cars we love. The folks at Haggerty feel the same way, and that's why they support our show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for enthusiast vehicles. This includes classic cars and trucks and motorcycles, but it also includes newer collectibles and boats. They also protect vehicles that go on track. That can be an actual race vehicle on and off the track or your personal vehicle on track for a high-performance driving day or a track day. In fact, we use Haggerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive the Cayman or Lotus or any of our own cars on our local track. It adds a huge peace of mind. You can learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at Haggerty.com slash everyday. We got to talk movies. As we jump oh, to social media okay. questions, we got to right. talk movies. Paul Cavanaugh on Facebook is asking for recommendations for best automotive scenes in non-automotive movies or TV shows. Mm, I didn't look at this one. Okay. I still come back to Ronan. Ronan's way up there, yeah. I st it's a 20-year-old film. Yeah. And you think, all right, this is more of a spy caper, mm -hmm. you know, intrigue, mystery, drama. And then the two car chases that are in it are mm -hmm. mind-blowing. Still, it doesn't matter that they're old cars. The way it's done is absolutely mind-blowing. If you haven't seen them, Paul, highly recommend the this. The first Bourne movie. With the Mini Cooper. Oh, oh, yes. Good. Down the stairs and along the Seine. And it is crazy. That's good. Crazy. And. Is not a car movie. The yeah. first, the first Bourne movie was directed by Doug Lineman. I'm going to go out geeky for okay. a second. All right. Doug Lineman uh, also direct. He, he, Doug Lineman seems to really do really good action movies that don't find enough of an audience. Huh. He did uh, Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise. If you haven't seen no that kidding. movie, Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise, if you haven't seen that movie, do yourself a favor. It's a fantastically overlooked sci-fi film. Nothing to do with cars. Is just that good. Edge of Tomorrow? Same movie. The original, Why is it two the names? original movie was live the the script was sold as Live Die Repeat. And at the last minute somebody blinked and decided to call it Edge of Tomorrow, which is a title that tells you nothing. Live Die Repeat tells you what the tells you what the movie is about. I like that a lot better. So when they when they realized after the fact, by the time it came out on Blu-ray, they were leading with Live, Die, Repeat and Edge of Tomorrow as the subtitle. What? Yes. Stupid marketing mistake. Very good movie. Sorry. So Doug Lyman, he directed the Firstborn movie and then Paul Greengrass directed the next few. Paul Greengrass desperately needs a wider lens and a tripod because you cannot <laughs> tell what's going on in most okay. of the action scenes. Okay. Doug Lyman shows you what's going on. The other Bourne movies have good car chases. But the one with the Mini Cooper in the first one, you can watch it and see stunts 
happen. It's very impressive. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I All right. All right. I like that. All right. What else you got here? Uh, there's always great questions. Thank you guys for all of that. You know what? I'll go to this one quick. Uh, DR Miller on Instagram says, an Elise question for me. Oh, good. He saw on Instagram I was just supposed to have this. <laughs> having it out. The car is so awesome. I love it. My son loves it. It's great. I'll stop there. He said, was yellow my top choice for that car? Would I have preferred something else? Interestingly, yellow was one of my top two. I think it became your top choice over a period of whittling down which car was best as far as mileage yes. and wear. And then it became it. It kind of rose to the top. I needed a color. Okay. I really like there's a, there's a nice blue on the Elise that I love to this day. It looks great. I, and I didn't want stripes. Okay. There's a really nice blue that I like. I have a model of the car in, in the blue that I like. It looks great. Yeah. I really like red, but I didn't want red on that car. The first Elise we ever drove was red. Yeah. They yeah, made yeah. a burgundy that was very nice. I needed a color. <laughs> they made a burgundy that was really, really nice. I loved the yellow and I really liked the Krypton green. Yeah. Yeah. Those were my top two. And once I found one that was yellow, there was also a, a weird, almost imagine if you took the Krypton uh, green and the yellow and you mixed them, you'd find kind of a weird off color That was green. the rare. There's a very rare, rare one. Well, they made like a dozen that came to the U.S. Yeah. I've seen one. Really? Forever. I've seen one for sale and it was sold way out of my price point. That would I would have had just because it was so rare. Sure. But I wanted sure. either yellow or Krypton green. I found this yellow one that already had a hard top, which was a, which was a multi-thousand dollar buy after the fact. And I was like, that looks like my car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Instagram, Danny Hahn asks... What's our worst drone crashing moment when recording? <laughs> okay. And who is the better pilot? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to throw Todd out of the bus just a little bit uh, here because he's had two of our worst drone crashing. As a matter of fact, the only two drone crashing moments. Well, but you've run it into a wall before. Oh, did I wondered I guess why I, that happened. You backed it into a wall I guess once. I did. Yeah. I forgot about that. Maybe yeah. I just blocked it out. Yeah, you did. You keep going. Well, one of them actually was the battery was dying mm -hmm. and Todd decided he elected to get the shot rather than land the drone this is my and preserve the battery this is my problem he, <laughs> higher are on his list of yes. hierarchical items is get the shot i don't care if the equipment dies the cars were coming the shot was available <laughs> the cars were coming right now if i took the drone back there would be no shot it's like, yeah, I'm going to have to override you and hang on. So what this means was he was in some brush and backcountry, mm -hmm. kind yes. of on a sloping hill. Yes. And so he got the shot, but that meant the battery died immediately after he got the shot. Mm -hmm. And so he was booking through the underbrush, trying to locate the drone in the air and made a diving catch. And I believe you did catch it, didn't you? Well, it I, I got to it, which was the good thing. I did actually grab it out of the air because the way these drones normally work, they they take a, a geopositioning snapshot when they take off. Mm -hmm. yes. And when they get to a low enough battery, they return themselves to that point. I told it not to. <laughs> so by the time I literally stopped hitting record, it realized that its battery was low enough. It was going to land exactly where it was, which was not near me. And it was still a good altitude. Wasn't yes. It? So it just starts going straight down and now it wouldn't listen to me to try to bring it closer. So this has got me diving through the brush. And I did kind of snatch it out of the air. It was, it was dying. Yes. <laughs> Second time was roadside mm. near a pretty good size brambly tree. Monster oak tree. Was it it an was oak? the only tree around. It was at the shot. the The good part of the shot is in the middles, or not the middles. The blue car episode. That was oh, the, yes. the G seventy, yes. the Alpha Julia, and the uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, the new BMW, all blue cars. Yeah, that's out of season four, I believe. 
Didn't I, you um, yeah. also get the shot? I did get the shot. And, and that was the election to get the shot rather than save the drone? Or did you drive no, no. the drone into the tree? I, I accidentally drove the drone into the tree. Yeah. I was, I was backing away in the middle of an additional shot and got too close to the top of the only tree around, and it sucked the drone down. And I, and I, I saw it happening. And so I looked up and I watched the drone tumble down the tree, folding itself up as it fell. It was all I was I was so proud of me. I was very proud of me. Yeah. But get this, Danny. Our drone still works. We are still using we that drone. We found it yes. after yeah, that we incident. Yeah. We were looking for a good 30 minutes yes. before we actually found it. And Chance had to get way down in there and dig for it and kind of drag it up towards him. It was scuffed. It still is. It's full of dust and dirt and it's scuffed up. There's like green leaf stripes down yes, the side. It has grass stains. It is yes. beat on. Yes. But it, we changed the blades mm-hmm. and it flies. Yep. It, and it, it still, still does everything it's supposed to works, do. Yeah. And it works well, if you can believe it. So the second question, who's the better pilot? We're different. Very, Todd likes very. more dramatic, cinematic, high, yes. beautiful, either pushing in or pulling away kinds of shots. Yes. Whereas I want to get the drone as close to the car as I can possibly get mm-hmm. it at a low eye level. But, of course, that means if I'm going across the road, it could either hit the rock wall on the side of the road, Which hit the done. car itself, hit me, or fly out and hit the tree that's out in the ravine over here. All of the above are possible. And you've done a couple <clears throat> of those, but yes. Yeah, I have. So yeah. we're just we, – we like doing different things with our shots, mm-hmm. and I like – I want it to be faster. I wish the drone could bank, but we kind of need a racing drone to be able to do that. But if it could bank, if it only bank, I could get such cool shots right off the edge. We have used the drone in a really different cool way, and that was on the Moab episode with the Jeep. Yeah. Todd was driving actually on the trail, and I was sitting in the passenger seat flying, actually following us. Yes, yes, yes. The problem with that is, as cool as the shot is, if the battery goes... It goes back to home base, which was a quarter mile back up the trail. Oh, more than that. Yes, yes, so yes. So we had to be really careful about landing when it, you know, before mm-hmm. the battery died totally. and Very you know, funny. just following us. Otherwise, we could have, you know, just it'll just take off and like, oh, no. It's back at the trailhead. That's a problem. Michael Witzel asked a question on Facebook and said, what can tracks do to attract more youth street racers? Keep them out of trouble. Keep them off the streets. Yes. I like this question. Honestly, Michael, the problem with track days, the problem with this for tracks is it comes down to cost. You and your buddies take a car you can't really control that's quite powerful and you want to race your buddies and you go find an empty road and it costs you the gas it took to get there. Yeah, It's yeah. really hard to argue with Please come here and do dragging or take a track or whatever. This is why it's so attractive. Now, there was a local drag strip here that worked, and a lot of local drag strips do this, where they really they offer really cheap drag nights in order to do this, True. which is great. But I really feel like an actual track day would benefit a lot of those drivers as well because you learn a lot more about how to deal with your car in all situations on a track that actually, I don't know, has a corner – then you do just putting your foot down. I wish there was really, really cheap access to tracking a lot of times. Now, our local track here does it often, but not often enough. And I wish all tracks had really cheap, like, come out for a couple hours kind of nights. Well, speaking of tracks, G. Jerzvig on Instagram said, mm-hmm. what was the biggest takeaway after your first track day? Mm. Thinking back, I remember feeling like, wow, am I a terrible driver? And wow, do I not know a lot about cars? I don't understand enough about body control and tire management and gear ratios and engine speed and track entry speeds and track out speeds and where to place the car. It didn't matter because I had an incredible amount of fun. 
but it did ratchet up my awareness Mm -hmm. of car control and car placement and what I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. I I was aware of all my shortcomings and how terrible I did things. And even to this day, you and I will both do a corner and think, well, I, I left speed on the table there. I could do that way faster and be so much better at it. I, I don't know the entry speed and I don't quite know the car placement. I haven't felt that yet. Many times we will accomplish it and we will figure it out. And then it's like, it's a revelation. It's, it is. Yeah. It's absolutely sure. revelatory. And you think, sure. yeah, yeah. that's how you're supposed to do totally. it. Totally. You've either followed an instructor through or followed a faster driver through yes. and think, well, no wonder you're fast. When you hit the right line on a, on a track in a car, it is like that you just perfected the dance move or you just pulled off mm-hmm. that thing on your bike or skiing or anything and it's balance related. You, that balance feels right. I'll tell you the two that really struck me on my first track day. They still strike me. But on my first track day, I was really, really struck by two things. One, my eyes were not nearly far enough up, down the track, yeah. and around corners. I would take the world as it came at me. Imagine playing a video game and you're looking at the screen. You can't really see around the corner because the game hasn't shown it to you yet. It was driving video game style, looking straight out the front glass and never out the side windows. I learned that my eyes were terrible. I needed to look around. The other one is I learned that I was terrible at braking. Hmm. I can brake just fine. You've to become stop quite good at it, as a matter of fact, though. I'm trying, but but braking on the track is the exact opposite of braking for the street. And yeah. I realized my braking was terrible and I had to learn differently. Seth K says, what's worse, buying a Range Rover and never taking it off-road or buying a Porsche 911 and never tracking it? Well, buying a Range Rover and never taking it off-road is Los Angeles. Most. Also, there's G-Wagons there that do that, too. There's G-Wagons, but for for the most part, that's just everybody in L.A., right? Yes, yep. Seth, I'm not – I like off-road, but I like driving. I like track driving better, canyon driving and road driving better. Sure, sure. So, therefore, I would say the 911 and never tracking it and and feeling what it's like to feel those dynamics. If you're in off-road, there's so many capable off-road vehicles, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though Land Rover is associated with the world's most premier off-road brand. Yeah. There's other really surprisingly capable off-road vehicles that can do it just as well. It's just you've got the air conditioner going and your favorite music and you're surrounded in leather and you might be looking at Facebook while you're doing your off-road thing in your Range Rover. The difference is the other vehicles, you're really paying attention like a Jeep Wrangler. (laughs) I'm kidding about the Facebook thing, by the way. Interesting, because I feel the opposite on this question. Do you? And here's why. I think it's possible in normal street driving, be it cloverleaf on-ramps or a straight on-ramp or whatever, I think you can get a taste of what a 911 can do if you took it to the track. Okay. But I don't think anything in a city, urban area gives you any idea of what a Range Rover would do off-road. I mean, what do you have, gravel in the Starbucks? What, what's the problem here? You ran over, you ran over a curb in the Boy, parking lot because you didn't want to wait. Oh, there's a pot. Have you seen the pothole <laughs> in the street? Oh, thank God I navigated that. You know what? My driveway is dirt. I mean, you're not right. going to do anything in a normal urban area in your Range Rover that makes you go, this thing's really capable. Huh. Whereas the 911, you can, have, you can get a, a glimpse of it. You can't really see it, but you can get a glimpse of it. And the Range Rover doesn't have a need for it. Okay. Well, there you have it. Two different opinions, Seth. You've got to decide for yourself. More questions. We'll get to them in future podcast episodes. But for right now, we're wrapping things up. Guys, yeah. thank you so much for your questions. As always, we really love uh, yeah, just the interactions. A lot of fun. So we're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.